Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And I want to thank you so much for clicking in or whatever you do to join me and the rest of the audience on this show. And I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And it is an honor to know that you are spending some time with me and honor more than I could ever convey over this microphone. So maybe one day, God willing, we could have like a uh, hot rod farmer or idle chatter party or get together or a shindig, right? That's what they used to say, a shindig out in the country. I'd like to have a barbecue. And uh, who knows, maybe God willing, we could make that happen somehow, right? And uh, I think it would be wonderful, probably be hard to do it because of the geography of where listeners are. But hey, where there's a will, is a way, and maybe God willing, we could make it make it happen in 2024 so uh, we will see can't promise you anything and uh but i would love to be able to put uh, to to just to, to meet you guys or at least some of you right and i don't know if you want to meet me but uh, but i would love to be able to meet you so uh, let me see for well, first of all most importantly is that i want i want to wish you a merry 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 and blessed christmas because the way christmas is falling this year it's going to be between episodes of this show so i I think i'm better off i think it's more proper for me to to wish you a blessed christmas before it happens instead of a belated blessed christmas so i want to just uh extend my heartfelt desires for you to have a wonderful christmas holiday remembering the birth of our savior it's not about material things i'm not lecturing or anything to you even though it may sound like i am and it's just um and that's really what it's all about the birth of the baby jesus the virgin birth and coming you know people like to to really think about the uh well, the birth of the baby is always exciting, right? Even though I've never had children, we've never had children, but we had cats born here. We were right here, right with Allie laying on the floor when all the kittens were born. But anyway, but the sad reality is is, is that Christ came as a baby to die on the cross for our sins, and there's a connection between that, but society, for the most part, doesn't like to make that connection. They like to just think of the joy the joyous birth so hopefully you do not lose sight of that and hopefully god willing you get what you want for christmas and uh and it is a be be a wonderful thing and i've gotten what i want and that is uh christ in my heart and be of good health my wife and i and our our family and that's really the most important thing so i will leave it at that but a couple of things i need to go over with you oh the other thing is that so what i plan on doing is i ever since the inception of idle chatter i like to do a a new year's day show and in the past i've recorded it so it would drop on new year's day and it's my wishes for you on new year uh, for the new year and it'll be 2024 which is frightening uh so i'm undecided whether i will do a normal idle chatter for whatever normal is with this guy <laughs> and uh and then do a new year's day show on the, the drop on the first so we will see but regardless if i don't i will definitely have my new year's 
my New Year's prayer and wish for you. Either it'll be a couple of days early or it'll be a couple of days later than New Year's. So I think I'm going to probably do it earlier than New Year's because it it, I, it, would, it would be the third or the fourth when the show would drop and it's kind of like day late and the dollar short, which is my life story. So that is that. And uh, let me see what else I wanted to... Uh, and also, uh, please know, I know that we have a lot of uh, listeners of uh, Jewish faith, and I was neglectful to wish you a happy Hanukkah last week. So I believe that is called the Festival of Lights. If I don't have that, if I, and if I have that incorrectly, then please forgive me. But uh, so I hope that anybody who celebrates Hanukkah, that they had a wonderful, blessed Hanukkah also as we roll into Christmas. In this particular instance, Christmas kind of steamrolls over Hanukkah but it's, it's just as important of a holiday to the people. And hey, my savior, Jesus Christ, was Jewish. So, right, so Hanukkah was important to him. Alrighty, so let me see what else is going on here. Well, first of all, this episode is going to be, if you saw, uh, well, boy, did I mess up. That's really what it boils down to the cut to the chase. Did I mess up with my diagnostics on my Fiesta? If you heard the show a couple of weeks back with the uh, with the heater doors and the, and the noise and what have you, and the boy was I a thousand percent wrong that I I, I I missed that diagnosis by a mile, and uh, really uh, qu- quite embarrassing. But what I will do say, and that's what the show is going to be about, um, how I misdiagnosed my car. All right, and uh, what we could all learn from it, including me. But I will put a caveat to it, and it is, as I used to say as a young man, I've said this many times before, do you in traffic court guilty with an explanation? Is because I was applying, and I'm not covering, you know, they say, well, in the military, your your tushy is your six, right? So cover, I'm not covering my six. Well, let's say CYA, right? You know what A is? That's another name for a mule or a donkey. Uh, and uh, I'm not I'm not covering myself, but I applied. Oh, I applied in my diagnostic procedure, old school theory and technology, to a more modern world. And in today's world, that usually ends up biting you in your six. And that's what that did. So what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to talk about how I made such a, I don't want to say bad mistake, such an incorrect diagnos- diagnosis of the problem with my car. And hopefully uh, you could learn from it. I've learned from it. And uh, we'll go from there. So it's going to be, uh, that's what, and what I'm going to call it is uh, inventing a science, because in engineering, we have a term that's, that is, that, well, there's different versions of it, but in essence, it's inventing a science to substantiate what you just saw or, or, or you think that you're proving. So in other words, it doesn't work that way, but you're inventing a science, and boy, when you get a bunch of engineers together, they can invent a science, and it's, it sounds, but it, it, it sounds really plausible. And so that's what I did. So I was inventing a science, but my uh, calendar was still on 1980 or 79, all right, because my science is no longer applicable in this particular instance and for most other people's instances also as far as the the same condition is concerned 
So we will get to that. But a couple of things first that we need to do here. And I have my papers, my cheat notes. I'm getting pretty good with those if I could read my own writing. All right, this is not the... First of all, uh, I think in last week's show or the show before, I uh, mentioned a listener who had reached out to me and uh, I did not print out his name and I disrespectfully just called him the guy some, from DeWitt, Iowa. And I uh, referenced him, and I put a pin in the map, but I didn't, at the time when I recorded, I did not have his name in front of me. So subsequently, excuse me, he wrote me a very nice letter, and I I did print that out, so I know his name. It's Mr. Pat Spurgeon, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Spurgeon. And he, he is from DeWitt, Iowa, and this is what he wrote to me. He said to me, Ray, it is interesting you mentioned Route 2 in southern Iowa, a route and area we have become familiar with this past the past couple of years. Let me get this in the light. As one of our sons bought a portion of an old cattle farm that was sold off. The owners passed, passed on and the children were not interested in the operation. It is located a mile, of Pula- a, a mile north of Pulaski, Iowa, which is one of those small towns on, two, on Route 2. I was just there a week ago and always enjoy getting off the four-lane roads and onto Route 2. We have been making trips from DeWitt to the farm and are slowly fixing up the, up the farmhouse with an eye on renting it. The cattle ground is a mixture of pasture, timber, and a couple of ponds. An adjoining cattle farmer is renting the land for extra grazing acres and does some maintenance on the land. Keeps an eye on things as well. If you were driving west on 2... You would have gone through the small town of Croydon, or Quarryden, I think it's pronounced Quarryden, C-O-R-Y-D-O, I know he's pronouncing it wrong. Quarryden, East Penn, who manufactures Decker batteries, has a large facility there right next to the highway. I don't know if the factory was there the last time you drove through there. It is a different way of life down in that area. Hoping you are doing well, Pat Spurgeon, and then he puts P.S., My grandkids wanted to know last year why I always raised a hood on the car when we arrive at their house in Kansas City. My background, by the way, was a teacher of physical education, but a guy who grew up in a small town and was always into cars and motorcycles, having turned 16 in 1966, then the muscle car era was getting into full swing. We were always a Ford family growing up, for better or for worse. So I want to thank you so much, Mr. Spurgeon. Uh, for writing me back that letter, and it's great that your son bought that operation, and I wish him God's blessings on it. And that is a beautiful neck of the woods along Route 2. And uh, just to touch on this for anybody else who's listening in the area, do I did I see the DECA plant? Well, let me just put it this way. Pat, I since 2008, I must have been by there 20 times if not more so yes it's going west the deca plant is on the left hand side and east penn manufacturing is actually their headquarters is not that far from our farm maybe 70 80 miles away and uh they have a couple of facilities in pennsylvania so the first time i went that way in route 2 was in 2008 and i saw that place at east penn i said that's a deca battery plant so so i don't know which batteries they actually make there but i am well familiar with that and on my first journey out that way, I stopped in Bloomfield, Ohio, and I had lunch in a little cafe there. 
that was back in 2008. And it, it, I remember it specifically, it was a beautiful day, and it's beautiful rolling hills there. Oh, gorgeous, when you go up Route 2, you know that if the other if other listeners have not been there, which obviously they, they, they have not, uh, is that it's a beautiful area. But my, te- my teacher, my wife, is a school teacher in Bloomfield, New Jersey, which does not look like Bloomfield, Iowa. And uh, so I remember specifically stopping there at a great hamburger, and at the time, I called her from the cell phone and I said to her, left a voicemail for her, say, hey, honey, I'm in Bloomfield, but Bloomfield, Iowa, don't look anything like Bloomfield, New Jersey, which is right next door to Newark. So that's inner city here. So, uh, and I believe now they built a big John Deere dealer right outside Bloomfield, Iowa. I remember seeing that. I think it's just before you take the cutoff to go into town, like when you're taking the bypass, it's right over there. So yes, I'm very, very familiar with that neck of the woods, and it is it is a beautiful, beautiful area, and I uh, fell in love with it the first time I went that way in 2008, and subsequently have gone many, many times when I used to go to successful farming in Des Moines. I used to go that way and then pick up 35 and then head north into Des Moines, and when my wife and I go out west, we go on Route 2. And then we, when we go to South Dakota, up to Baltic, to the Ag PhD field day, we go that way. So been through there probably, it's been New Jersey, my New Jersey license plates on that Route 2 quite, uh, quite, uh, quite often, probably more than the, than the people would like to see. Where's that guy here? do it from new jersey so i want to thank you so much for writing and i would love to learn more about your son's operation there that he invested in that is fantastic so let me see what else i have okay that's that now next thing i want to touch base with you and if you listen to the radio show you probably heard you may have heard this and just get drink of water excuse me I should really learn to kill this microphone when I do this. But uh, let me do it good for a second. You can have dead air. Okay, I'm back. And uh, if you listen to the radio show, I spoke about Bruce J. John butcher his name again. And James Condon and my t- total harmonic distortion meter. And uh, just so you have and uh, have some sort of context for this so it makes sense, is that you know that I'm a big uh, I'm big on testing for total harmonic distortion, and uh, for, for when you're running a backup generator or a uh, standby generator or a portable generator into your farm, your house, your, whatever your operation, because basically fundamental total harmonic distortion. I've done a, a podcast and a radio show on this in the archives, so I don't want to just waste your time and going over it. Is is the skewing of the sine wave, because AC is a sine wave, so it's a skewing of the sine wave. So respectfully, if you were to look at the sine wave, it would appear like someone's handwriting who has Parkinson's disease, where it's very shaky like that, and my mother had Parkinson's, and uh, well, the doctors say Parkinsonian-like symptoms, but they could never determine that she had Parkinson's, and her hands would shake and so, was, so that's what the sine wave looks like. It squiggles around instead of being nice and clean and pure. It's all over the place. And that is what's called distortion. And uh, so what had happened was that I have I purchased a meter to read total harmonic distortion. And if you go back about a year or so ago into the show, 
I have a couple episodes on my generator. I had a problem with my my generac, not my generac, my um, Briggs and Stratton Elite Eight Thousand, and then I came across James Condon, J A M E S C O N D O N. He has a YouTube channel. He fixes a lot of generators and stuff like that. And, and I have to honestly say, he's probably the most proficient small generator i'm not talking like for a power plant backup generator portable generator specifically put repair person in the world i'm not even gonna say the country and so he's the one and i did some shows and that and he's the one who diagnosed my briggs and stratton generator when it stopped charging and basically in essence what it had the only problem it had was it didn't have any failed components even though we did change the circuit breaker just or he did change his circuit break because he didn't like the way it responded back last year. But uh, when they built that unit, they put too much shrink wrap onto one of the field wires onto the stator. And I guess over time, who knows, right? You would tend to think if it wouldn't work, how, why would it work for four years and then stop working because of shrink wrap? But that is the mystery of electricity, which is like the mystery of life, right? So he fixed it, but then, then while that was, I didn't know what was going to happen. That's why I bought my Generac JP or GP eight thousand E, which I have. Whatever, we won't go there. So anyway, to make a long story short, I bought a THD meter, and then <coughs> excuse me, I lent it to James, and he's had it ever since. I used it once, and he's he's uh, it's uh, residing over at James's, and he uses it on his videos. And it's getting a lot of data with it because that's what it's all about a transfer of knowledge for me to invest in a meter and have it sit in my toolbox and not get any data with it just for the one time and uh so i said now you hold on to it i said and he's you know if i ever need it back i'll tell you whatever so uh so so he has my meter and he's gotten the gotten the community of people out there through his youtube channel a lot of great data on total harmonic distortion readings from generators so and then you do it or what you want so now when i was uh the uh bruce has a uh generac 11 year old currently 11 years old uh whole house generator what i do with his numbers here and uh we were discussing and i asked him geez would you like to do a test for me and uh and he jumped right at it he's a very knowledgeable man bruce and uh, very eclectic with his skill sets and he has a 20 kw so 20,000 watt whole house generator through an automatic transfer switch not mickey mouse like i got he's got the full monty there right everything all the power goes out in 10 seconds the unit kicks on and where you go happy motor so all of the data that i have seen and that james has gotten for the most part is with portable generators either inverter style generators or or non-inverter style which mine are non-inverters and we really haven't seen so i asked bruce and i and he jumped at it so i contacted james i said can you send bruce bruce is up in new england and you send him my meter and i put together a little test protocol for bruce which he followed exquisitely and then we'll get some data so that's what we have over here so what i want to do is i want to share with you so a couple of things first of all check out james condon's youtube and if you go back about a year from a year ago you can see my briggs and stratton on there but there's a lot of great information there, a lot of great videos and uh 
he thinks talks through his diagnostic procedure which is what i always liked to do and that's what i'm going to do today to show you how i think talk to myself into inventing a science for something that wasn't working that way but that's neither here nor there we will get to that right hopefully god willing before too long so what i asked bruce to do was to check the line voltage coming into his house house and shop there from the power company and then i asked him to check the generator so he would kill the power coming into the house and so the generator thought there was a power outage and that would start up and then it would it would power up the house and then check the generator so all he had to do for all for these tests that i asked bruce to do all he had to do was take the leads of the meter and stick it in any 120 volt wall socket in the house during the building whatever made no difference and then i said to him check the generator voltage coming out of the, the the power i should say not voltage coming out of the generator into the house with no load and then i asked him to put a light load and hit the stair step the load up because what will happen is that often in almost every instance with a very rare exception is that the distortion the more load that is put on the the backup generator or portable generator not the power company all right you will start to evoke a greater level of skewing of the sine wave so you will have more distortion more fundamental distortion and then uh so lots of times when you buy a generator you see or you see the specification says uh, less than five percent which is what the industry kind of says you should have for any type of delicate electronics and delicate electronics are found almost everywhere today <laughs> so but uh your washing machine your refrigerator your boiler or whatever your heating system so uh but they're checking that usually with no load so it's like saying well you know the engine doesn't stall or doesn't hesitate if i let it sit here and idle well that, that's kind of meaningless you have to check it on the load so i wanted bruce to stair step up the load not to go from no load right to ah, full load and he did that so and then we got some very interesting data so what i will do now by supposedly uh, i'll say government standards for lack of better terms is that i guess the public utilities are supposed to supply power on their grid with with less than not even hit five percent hot total harmonic distortion fundamental distortion and uh so it's going to be less than five percent so what bruce had coming in in new england <clears throat> of course i always get his state wrong so i, I always can never remember if he's in new hampshire or, or rhode island probably tired of me saying that about him is that uh, all right let me read this it'll make more sense if i read it the way i wrote it okay bruce's line voltage coming into his house we'll say his house from the power company i asked him to check it on the power company a couple of different times during different times of the day because that will vary all right based upon the load on the grid what they're doing it will vary so his line voltage coming into his house is between 116.3 volts and 121.4 volts so he's right there in the in the ballpark from the power company well everything is good his total harmonic distortion coming in from the power company is 1.9 percent to a maximum that he saw of 2.4 so that's all beautiful nice and clean a pure sine wave or as pure as well a, a, a very pure sine wave so that's all good 
and then his hertz the frequency coming in from the power company is between 59.98 hertz cycles per second to 60 hertz so it's right there they got it nailed all right so he's all good fundamentally everything is good there it's right where it should be all right now his generator his generac uh two cylinder generac with uh 20 kv uh, kv k kw out output <clears throat> with no load coming into the house is supplying 121.7 volts so actually better than the power company has 3.4 percent total harmonic distortion and has 59.96 to 60.09 hertz so right on the money beautiful gorgeous gorgeous and actually a little bit higher voltage picking fly manure out of pepper uh than the power company so then i asked him to put a, a light load on the generator so i guess he put some lights on he turned on his oil burner and i'm assuming he has an electric range because he put on an electric range and now his voltage so his generac was able to keep the voltage up it was 121.4 which is beautiful his total harmonic distortion went up slightly it went up to 4.2 percent from uh 3.4 which is nothing beautiful below five percent and his hertz locked in at 60 and all his t- protocols are that i asked him to do his hertz locked in at a constant 60 which is beautiful so then he added it to that he didn't subtract he's always he stair stepped it as i asked him to do so he added a 240 volt 220 volt uh air compressor in his shop so now we have the lights some lights on whatever lights the oil burner is going the heating system the electric oven and now on top of that a 220 volt uh air compressor to uh, in his shop so now I just want to break away here from a second for a second because there's two types of well for all intents and purposes there's two types of load you're concerned with when you're looking at generator output and even power company power company that's all going to be constant but uh generator output is what they call inductive and resistive loads so an inductive load is let's say you're running a shop vac you're running a compressor so an electric motor is an inductive load whereas an electric toaster or his if i'm assuming this electric oven is a resistive load so electric hair so a hairdryer is a resistive load because it's it has no motor it's the resistance of it's the the resistance of the electricity flowing through that wire that well that heating element we'll say is what is what is creating the heat so there's resistive and inductive loads but the fact of the matter is in life you have a combination of everything so in other words if i just plug my using my 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 portable generator if i just plug my shop vac into it that's going to be an inductive load because of the motor on the shop vac and then if i plug a uh a uh, a toaster into it or electric heater that's just with no fan then that's a resistive load so now basically what's important here is that we are starting to have a combination of resistive and inductive loads onto this generator in bruce's house which is real life which is excellent so now with his generator kicked on the voltage stayed at 121.3 which is beautiful it was 121.4 which is nothing that's margin of error and the total harmonic distortion dropped slightly so from three point from 4.2 percent to 3.5 which kind of which kind of flagged me as soon as i saw it said that wow 
that's a pretty good big load uh the compressor and for the sh- air air compressor for the shop and it's an inductive type of load not a resistive type of load and this harmonic distortion dropped and we're going to address that in this in the what we get done over here and then uh then he kept that on and then he added a toaster oven to it so now he's got everything he's going full boogie here and and bruce has a 500 it runs off of propane he's in a very rural area of new england he told me it's not uncommon for them to lose power for four or five days so he has a, so he has a 500 gallon propane tank so i call him he's got a doomsday unit here he can run this thing till the good lord comes back and then with the toaster oven added to all of that his voltage stayed at 120.7 the hertz stayed at 60 throughout the whole the whole test and then his total harmonic distortion actually went down to 3.3 percent like i said picking fly manure out of pepper but this is wonderful okay so the analysis we have here in james condon uh we had a little bit of a dialogue going back and forth but the analysis that we had here is that this is an excellent system that bruce invested in all right because and what are his what are the key points and I'm, I'm i'm saying this is a learning tool for you if you're looking to buy a a whole house generator i'm not saying you run out and buy a generac all right but these are the key elements number one is that it's a two-cylinder engine not a one-cylinder engine and a two-cylinder engine running a generator because a generator is actually an alternator because it's creating ac will have the tendency it's firing pulses are closer together instead of one boom and then turn and boom right like a one so 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 the crankshaft speed stays more constant all right then on a single cylinder engine so thus since the generator is running off the crankshaft that its speed doesn't vary as much and it doesn't start to cavitate on the on the on the uh the the, the rotor all right so or it's making electricity so it tends to that's one design element that will also inherently decrease total harmonic distortion by nature of design the second thing is that uh it has an an automatic an avr which is an automatic voltage regulator which my two units do also that's available on back on portable generators so that's a more desirable way of controlling the electricity than i think they used to use a capacitor but uh so that's a more accurate way to control so now basically we have we have an he has an engine that's a two-cylinder he's got avr so he's going all in the right direction here all right and then what i didn't realize but james added it he and bruce confirmed that it does have it that instead of a mechanical governor control which most engines do like that small air-cooled engines that bruce's unit is built with a servo to control the idles to control the well i'm saying the idle speed the load of the the load on the generator so the the crankshaft speed when it's producing electricity so you put that all together and you put these dynamics together and that is allowing this unit to make clean very clean electricity without the complication of an inverter circuit and that's why i don't like inverters so this was wonderful wonderful data now and now my personal opinion for what it's worth and i'm just hey i was wrong with my own car so probably wrong about this is that i think even though bruce added an inductive load with the compressor and the harmonic distortion went down slightly is that i think it's because the governor 
the servo, I should say not the governor per se, but the servo that's operating the governor has a sweet spot there. So I think that it was that prior to prior to putting on the compressor that the load was, I'm not going to say that the unit was hunting, but it, it, it put a little bit, you know, it put, it put a little bit more load on it. And the way that servo was responding, because it's the response, and remember it's an 11-year-old servo, and there's probably nothing wrong. I'm sure there's nothing wrong with it. But it was just at the point where it really didn't compensate as well as it should have. And then you put a little bit more load on it, right? Like sometimes you put, you know, hook up a trailer to a pickup truck, and boy, that automatic transmission seems to, seems to like it a little bit better than with no load. And I think that this servo, not the generator, I think the servo, liked the load a little bit better and brought it to a point that it was just a uh, able to stabilize the idle speed as the load was put on better but, but but this is a beautiful setup that bruce has it's gorgeous these are gorgeous gorgeous numbers and uh <clears throat> if you guys have any input on that or if you have a uh, a generator that you would like to test then you could reach out to me and we could possibly get you that meter. Uh, the only thing that I do have to say to you respectfully is that it's a better part of a $500 meter. <clears throat> and I would need for you to give me your word to send it back. Because over the years, I had people say to me, oh, can I borrow this? Or I, I had some some books or something, and I know that... Uh, yeah, well, it wasn't from this show. It was from Successful Farming, from a TV show. And they reached out to me. I said, well, I could send you a copy. I could send you the book, but you could copy it and you could, you know, just give it back to me or something like that or do what you want. And I've lost a lot of things that way. So who knows? So, but Bruce is a longtime listener. So if I do, if we do, if I don't send you the meter, please do not take offense to it. But, uh, you know, and sometimes life just happens. I mean, somebody has the intentions of sending it back and whatever. I mean, uh, but I really don't want to end up losing a $500 meter. i more than happy to lend it to anyone, but I just need to make sure that I get it back and I have to trust you, right? Because that's what it's all about. If I can't trust you, then that is not any good. So if you have any questions on that, please reach out to me. And like, if you have any questions on bruce's model generator i could uh ask him to communicate with you and uh if you have any questions from james condon you could go to his youtube channel and you could or you could send me the questions and i could forward them over to james but that is some data some very very good data and bruce executed the test perfectly perfectly so i want to thank bruce for doing that and shutting off the power in his house and uh and doing everything and then james was sending him the meter so that is good and that a meter supposedly is back at james as of the other day though they texted me and said it was in route so that's all good right because how are we gonna get that if we don't do things so all right so now let's get let let me let me go let me get into the, the hall of shame here right <laughs> where my my diagnosis was so far off. Oh my God! In heaven, was I was I was I wrong? And uh, if you remember correctly, I will recap because you may not remember. Listen to that episode. Is that I have well currently just shy of two hundred forty thousand miles on my Ford Fiesta. So and I've had the car since brand new. So when you have that kind of mileage, which is not that much. Uh, 
if you have that kind of mileage then you and you have some level of astuteness right if that's even a word astuteness being astute is probably the proper way to say it is that you know what the vehicle does or what the machine does or what the car does or whatever it is right you know you said never did that before so basically what had happened was i would have to say probably this fall i would put the uh put the heater on and when i would turn the heater on i would hear i would hear the air conditioner revoke and then i also heard on the right side appeared to be the right side of the dashboard it to me it sounded as if the blend air doors were sticking or binding or something in them the air always went into the the discharge always went into the when had went the, through the proper route in other words i put on heater was on the floor I wasn't partially coming on the floor and partially coming on the windshield so everything was everything was right but i heard this noise and it sounded almost like a creaky blend air door but what really but what confused me i could have i don't want to say i could have rationalized the creaky blend air door but i couldn't rac- rationalize why when i went from off which is the mode fan i mean not the fan the uh the discharge location excuse me of the heater hvac system that immediately evoked the the, the uh the air conditioner compressor i mean it was 36 degrees outside now most vehicles for the past 45 years when you do put on the defroster it evokes the air conditioner compressor to pull moisture out of the air to further to to incre- increase the efficacy of the defroster so that's fine understand that that's been i learned that 40 something years ago but uh when you put it on heat on, on the floor vent it's not supposed to evoke the air conditioner so i said well, there's something i said what the heck is going on here and then what had happened is that you'd be riding and you'd hear like i said it really wasn't a clicking sound it was sound like the do- like the, the the door was creaking here you're riding for an hour and all of a sudden you come to a stop sign lots of times you couldn't hear it going down the road because of this road noise and you, and you hear like it's creaking so what the heck is going on here so anyway now so there's some so so there's some continuity to this for you is that back in the over 40 years let's say 45 years ago and i'll basically tell you right when it was 19 1979 all right uh general motors came out with a system called blend air and what blend air was for the hvac system for the heater was that it did not use a uh, uh what the heck they call it not a heater temperature what the, just tip of my uh tip of my tongue oh my god i'm uh heat control valve they didn't use a heater control valve all right prior to that cars used a heater control valve so when you were to move the temperature for hotter let's say all right to make it full hot in the winter time and for the heater discharge or defroster is that it let full let full flow coolant flow that would go through that valve into the heater core and as you were to cut that back more towards cooler temperature lower temperature it minimized the the coolant flow through the heater core because the heater core is just a heat exchanger and then if you put it all the way on cold like for the air conditioning in the summertime then in theory it should have shut off the heater core and there was no coolant going through the heater core and to to heat any to heat the air up right so you had full air conditioning 
So that was the way that system worked for many, many, many years. <clears throat> then what General Motors did when they came out with the X-Body cars, and they came out as 1980s, but they were actually came out in 1979, they invented this blend air system. And what it basically did is that it eliminated the heat control valve, and it actually used a heater core as part of the cooling system. So, and what it would do is instead of, so the, it was full full cool and flow through the heater core, no more heater con- heat control valve, and they would use that as part of the cooling system to cool the engine. So it used as a, it's a, in, in, in a quasi-pseudo way, it increased the size of the radiator because it had, a, it had the second heat exchanger. And then what they would basically do is they would close this series of doors, like trap doors behind the dash where the ducts were, and it would redirect the air and it wouldn't let it would close the door and let the air go into the passenger compartment from the heater core. So and that's why they called it a blend air system, because you were blending the air uh and the amount of hot air, but the, the heater core was always part of the cooling system. So it was always antifreeze or coolant going through the heater core. And then over the years, and those doors were vacuum operated. So when you so when you moved the, the controls, either the mode where it was going to discharge out of vent on the dashboard, the froster or floor, then you would move. It would it was vacuum controlled, and a vacuum servo would move the door. And the same thing is with the with the heat temperature, the discharge temperature. You would move that control. And in some in some instances, it was cable operated to those doors. In some instances, it was vacuum operated. Usually, in a less expensive car, it was, it was cable operated, but it could have been vacuum operated. Okay, so that's basically that, and that is a blend air system. So a blend air system, by true definition, this is important. All right, does not use a heater control valve. All right, so a blend air system does not use a heater control valve so you are blending the temperature the way you want it and you're using a series of doors which is going to allow airflow either go past the heater core or bypass the heater core like a wastegate on a turbocharger all right so that was what i grew what i learned and everything and they were all vacuum operators so now <clears throat> fast forward now, as an aside, that if you had a, a had a vehicle like I had in my Lincoln, or they had that for years, we had ATC, automatic temperature control, but you had a number. So I want to set the car for seventy two degrees inside. That was a more complex system, but the early ones still worked off a heater control valve. It was a combination of things. So now, fast forward to a couple of months ago. So now my Fiesta is and is. Uh, and, and you know, keep in mind that blend air type of systems are the norm today, okay? That's very important. The last 35 or 40 years, they're the norm, whether you have an import or you have a pickup truck or you're probably in a lot of uh, farm equipment with a cab, they probably use a blend air, blend air system with blend doors. And But keep in mind, I'm repeating it because it's important, is that that is to control a temperature. So a blend air system is to control a temperature. Where it's discharging the ducts is still a series of doors, but that is not considered a blend air system. So a blend air system eliminated the heater control valve. All right, so that's it. And they made the valve, not the heater core, the heater control valve. So now 
I'm developing this this problem with my Fiesta. And I was telling you guys about it, and I said, geez, why is the AC? So now, the thing basically is, and here's the first talking point or or message of consequence to you, all right, is that when you're diagnosing something, there's a couple of parts. I mean, let's uh, hey, you got a hole in the in the engine block, you got a nail in the tire, or there's not much diagnosis there, right? But anyway, so the thing is that you, when you diagnose something, you have to be familiar with how it works, and you also have to be very, very sensitive to clues that the piece of machinery will give you. And oftentimes, those clues will take your train off the track. Because, oh, well, I thought it worked this way, but if, why is it doing this? And the other, so, so that's, so that's, so that's a, a, that's a, that's, that's a point for you to learn. I'm saying it not derogatorily, is that you have to be listening for clues. I don't mean listening, you have to pay attention for clues. And this particular point was with my ears. All right, so you have to listen for clues. Well, why the heck is the AC kicking on when I put the heater on? I said, well, and I'm thinking that my Ford is using a vacuum-operated blender system, all right, and then it's using a vacuum-operated system to control the discharge or the mode where the air is coming from. So I said, well, geez. I said, I can't believe this switch is going bad in the dashboard because it's not even near the AC function. It would have to go and... And I said, I'm wondering whether they have a micro switch. So here's I'm inventing a science, a micro switch on the Blondair doors. And actually, when I and and it's it's a confirmation. It's another flag that needs to be met. But this, but still, it's 28 degrees outside. Why should I be evoking the air conditioner when I put the heater on? The heater discharge is beautiful, nice and hot. Everything is good, except I'm hearing this creaking noise like a daughter wants to move, and I'm evoking the air conditioner as soon as I put the, the, the heater on. So as soon as I put the heater on, I start the car up, boom, put the heater on in the garage, pulling out in the morning. I hear the AC before I even put it in reverse. I or the, uh, the electric garage was open. I hear the AC compressor engage. So that really was bothering me. So I said, all right, that's crazy. Now I'm hearing this noise, and I'm and I'm thinking that it's one of the doors. And I had said to you, well, geez, maybe, you know, because I really used to keep it in a position. Maybe the door is sticking, and maybe I have to do so. I, so I was working under the assumption, false science, inventing a science that it all worked on vacuum. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to instead of I'm going to coast down the hill onto Hackensack, and then I'm going to put the heater on, so high vacuum, so and everything to do this and trying to evoke a very high vacuum state that if the door is getting lazy and sticking that the higher vacuum state the differential pressure will be stronger all right because and be able to move that door into that, that vacuum server that they have so i said all right so i'm trying this and like many times when you're diagnosing something then like i said you have to pay attention you can't invent the science for it which which i was quasi doing and 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 the thing was getting better right so the noise under the dash every once in a while this 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 creaking sound it's like a door moving was was minimizing did it go away no it was minimizing so i'm saying i'm pat, patting myself on back oh boy you're good you know you're figuring this out right and then it was minimizing now i'm going to break away because this is a learning right we want you to learn as I learn, learn from my mistakes, <laughs> better off. The thing is that uh, <clears throat> lots of times, 
and I'm even, not even going to call it a placebo effect because a placebo effect is is something that's induced psychologically. You take this pill, oh, how do you feel better? And it's a sugar pill. Oh, my headache's all gone, right? So the thing basically, it's not a placebo effect, but oftentimes it's a false flag or a false positive, right? Like they had with the COVID test because they're the way they're, they were looking at a lot of false positives. So anyway, so I cannot deny because I was so in tune to this that this, that it was seemed to be getting, this condition seemed to be healing itself or getting better. All right, so I cannot deny that. Now, why was it getting better? Well, when I was 100% wrong, because this system does not work on vacuum. It has blend air system, all right, the doors, it has the same thing as General Motors had. It's got the, all these series of doors. It's using the heater core as part of the radiator and what have you. But what it does, it has electric motors that move the blend, the doors for either the temperature or the location, the discharge location. And then how did I determine that? Well, every once in a while I hear electric motor go, mm, not bad, like it's been like a high-speed electric motor. I said, what the heck? I said, I've never heard that before in 240,000 miles. I said, there's an electric motor under there. All right, and then what would happen was that if I shut the car off, with, so I killed all the power with the... Uh, with the uh, the the selector in the heat position for the floor, and then I came back the next day, and as soon as I turned the key on, I would and uh, as I would hear a motor, and I shut it off before I turned the key on. I'd hear a motor on, so I said, "Well, this can't be vacuum because I didn't make any vacuum yet." So I said, "There's got to be something electric moving these doors under there." Never thinking that they had these electric servo motors running the door. So this is, I'm saying in relative, this is not a fancy car, it's a Fiesta. So it's not a Lincoln. So I said to myself, so so now I had a couple of really crazy, so I had, so now I got got inconclusive data. Um, I'm evoking my heater and my different mode positions under very high vacuum conditions, coast down and everything. All right, and on the engine, and it seems to be it's it is getting better. All right, it is getting better. All right, but that's like saying, well, God forbid, you know, uh, I got a broken leg and uh, I took aspirin and my leg is healing. I don't need to do it. Now, you know, maybe it helped your pain. So I got to take lots of times when you diagnose things in life, you got to take some data and throw it out the window because but I could not throw it out the window. Instead, I was patting myself on the back of what a good diagnostician I was. All right, so I, so you, you have to know when to open the window and throw it out. So so now what kind of messed me up was that, well, not messed me up, was, was took my train off the track and said, I don't know what I'm talking about because what is this electric motor I hear every once in a while and how can it, when I turn the key on, it changed that position and it seemed to be changing it electrically because as soon as there was power applied, and then as soon as I started the car, putting the AC compressor on. All right, so so now I said to myself, I've come to the conclusion that these doors or some of these doors, either the mode door, the discharge or the temperature, is not working with a vacuum servo. 
it's working electrically with an electric motor or something. So I said, all right, well, what am I going to do? I don't have a shop manual for this car. And he said, I don't tell us about you. Can't, I couldn't even buy a shop manual for this car. So I tried to buy one. All right, you can't even buy them. So I wasn't going to buy like an Edmunds book or something, which knows less about it than I do. So what I do as a resource is I use, I go on the internet, which I hate, and I there's, there's websites that sell new Ford parts. They're dealers, they're Ford dealers, and they do an online business. Like a lot of people with farm tractors do that. They say they're a John Deere dealer, but a good percentage of their parts are mail order. All right, so... Uh, so the thing is, so I go to, so I do my search for my new Ford parts, go to Ford, go to Ford parts. <clears throat> then I start to punch in some keywords and lo and behold, I see that when my, that my eventual analysis, after I shot myself in the foot, my eventual analysis is correct. So on my Ford Fiesta and most new via newer vehicles and my car is not that new. All right. They, do, they have a blend air system, but they are not using vacuum to move anything. They have an electric, electric motor servo that is moving it. So in other words, on my Fiesta, when I move the temperature control from hot to cold, it's got an electric servo motor that's connected right to the doors and it moves the doors. And when I move the mode position and I move it from, from heat, from heat, floor to vent and it is moving it with an electric motor so the thing basically is all right so now i said okay fine i said this is crazy i didn't think that it had that but it does have it and then subsequently i found out that almost every vehicle today is doing the same thing they're using an electric motor connected to a servo that is and in lots of ways it's easy and lots of ways it's worse all right so depending upon where they put the vacuum chamber they have to take the whole dashboard out of the car then that's bad all right then this is better but some, some supposedly some of these servos electric servos are not that easy to access all right so now we, so now i feel like i'm uh, uh, uh the sherlock holmes trying to solve this murder so so recap quickly you have to pay attention because when it's doing something differently all right then and you hear something or feel something and i the sort of thing was that one time i heard that motor running and i shut it off and i moved the switch when i put the key back on and i heard the doors move i said is that 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 there's i depleted the vacuum in the system so this shouldn't move with such with such authority it's got to be electric so now I so I'm, I so I, I determined that Ford has this. This so in my car there's three electric servos. So it's a blend air system, but there's one electric servo, which is the blend air side, which is the temperature control, which is supposedly on a Fiesta on the passenger on the driver's side, underneath the dashboard, and then on the right hand side is another servo motor, and that is actually a mode uh that is operates the mode where you're having a discharge and then supposedly there's a third one which is for air conditioner recycle which i hardly use okay so now that prim so i i said okay boy was i wrong i thought this was working on vacuum it's working on electric motors which makes a lot more sense now that i'm hearing something when i heard that one time the, the electric motor so so now my what my search leads me to 
inadvertently is some videos. So what I was hoping for, that there's maybe a video there from Ford. So now you get all a bunch of these people who have YouTube channels, and what they're complaining about is Ford Fiesta and other vehicles, Chevy Blazes, Toyota, whatever, all right, that I guess what happens is the gears strip out and then the motor goes click, 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 as soon as you turn the key on. So you're riding here, click, 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 click. So a strip set of gears. All right, mine does not do that. And everything I saw was talking about a clicking a clicking servo motor. And then what happens is that the people are showing you, Ford Fiesta, for example, how they changed this electric servo motor. But very important for you, not for, say, I don't have a Ford Fiesta. I don't give a damn about it. But when you're doing anything, is that you have to familiarize yourself because what these people were doing or yes, they were changing the motor, but they were identifying the motor incorrectly because the motor that controls the heat is the blend air door motor and or temperature control motor, and the one that controls where the air discharges, the mode, M-O-D-E motor. They were calling everything blend air. So now I do not know, I was not able to glean, is there two different motors from Ford? So when you buy, so if you order the wrong one, all right, it's it's the wrong mirror image because it's on the other side. That I am not sure yet. But keep in mind that on any system, that's a blend air system, the, the servo, the vacuum system, the motor, electric motor, that controls the temperature is the blend air. The one that controls where the air is being discharged from is the mode selector. So you're selecting the mode. I want air conditioner. I want heater. I want the frost. So to get back to what I'm, so now I'm able to see, and I find a, I find a video where this motor is taken apart. So what's happening? There's a wiper in there, a wiper with a set of contacts, and so when you make a selection it goes to this wiper so basically in essence that explains why sometimes my air conditioner was evoking when i had it on heat even though is because that wiper must be going bad or must be carbon tracked and it doesn't why it's doing i have no idea but that's where it is because i said how the heck can this happen so it is not reading it's reading the position of the blend air doors all right, or the mode selectors, I should say. It's reading, I'm using the wrong term myself, the mode selectors, all right, inside this servo motor. It's not external with his micro switches, all right? So now I do not have the problem where I have this tick, 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 tick. I do not have that problem. I have this creaking, which sounds more like the doors creaking underneath the dashboard, but yet I have the air going in the proper locations. I have the full range of control of the temperature. So do I know what's going on at this particular point? Yes and no. And what I do know is that my diagnosis was wrong. And why was my diagnosis wrong? Not defending myself by no means. My diagnosis was wrong because I made the assumption that it's working on vacuum. When it's not working on vacuum, it's working on electric motors, doing the same thing that vacuum would have done but it's doing with electric motors that's a complete game that's a complete game changer the other take-home message here is that if you do have a problem 
you have to figure out is it the servo that is controlling the temperature we'll call it temperature or is it the mode selection servo so these people on these videos were hearing a clicking sound and they were changing on these fiestas they were changing the temperature control and maybe they didn't eat they didn't elude to it but they were calling everything blend there whatever should be blend there uh, as far as the temperature is concerned but then one guy called it mode selection so it's very important the other take-home message here when you're getting involved in things i've shared this story with you many times on this podcast when i was a young man and i worked in a buick dealer did a lot of drivability problems we had one mechanic billy and he would call everything a, a, a an engine management system back then had a coolant switch and a coolant sensor a switch with anything is on or off a sensor reads a range of things so we had this one buick i shared this story with you before that the check engine light was going on for a bad coolant sensor and billy bus i won't use his last name used to go up to the parts apartment and want to call i need a coolant switch for a saber a 3.8 so he kept changing the switch that would turn the idiot light on and off when it really needed a coolant sensor so it's very important that the semantics today of what you're calling and identifying something is extremely important because if you went and you said well i want a blend air door motor and you really need a motor even though it looks physically the same that controls that that controls the mode of where the air is discharging and the guy says well here's a blend air door motor and then you somehow and it's on the left hand side where you're changing the temperature control motor has nothing to do with where the air is going to discharge it'll be hot or cold all right so the so that's the other take-home message the third take-home message and this goes for any diagnosing all right the diagnosing anything doesn't be a heater system and a fiesta that when you go down a path that and you think that the way something works right quasi inventing a science think the way something works and you do some sort of protocol like i did well i'm going to shut it off on the high vacuum maybe the door is sticking and i could give it more range of motion right range of motion and you get a positive response don't always take that to the bank you know, if you get a negative response, always take that to the bank. Because for the life of me, I cannot understand why what I was doing was seen was was helping the problem. The only thing that I could possibly say why was it helping the problem is that if those doors are sticking sticking to a little bit, what it sounds like is that uh, the fact that the matter is that by me turning me evoking the mode selection having it keep changing the door more of giving it some exercise may have helped it a little bit that's the only thing that i could put together in my mind that makes any sense because it definitely did help it all right because i exercised in more but that was not the problem that is not the problem all right that is not the problem whatsoever the next thing for you to take home is that yes you may say i did this and i'm getting a positive response don't pat yourself on the back like i did we have to carry this along further and see and see what's happening but you need to be very 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 intuitive 
to what that animal is doing, what that hay baler is doing, what that tractor is doing, that combine, that pickup truck, because if you're not intuitive, you will basically be led down the wrong path. So the fact of the matter is you may have someone, let's say, that works in a car dealership or a tractor dealership, and they have a lot of exposure to a piece of equipment, and they have a lot of empirical data. Oh, those all go bad, those motors, right? Those blended all motors go bad. Well, unless you changed all three motors in this Fiesta, then you're not going to, there's a very good chance that you're not going to fix it because you changed the wrong motor. You changed the motor that controls the temperature, and I have no problem with the temperature control. So, so keep so keep that in mind that you have to be very careful, and you have to also identify which circuit, which what is basically happening, you know. And uh, so, what is happening, and are you at the right? Are you in in the right the right ballpark? Because you could be completely completely in the in the wrong ballpark, and which which would make it very 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 difficult for someone that didn't so if if someone brought this if i was in the repair business and unless i had experience with this happening in another vehicle and i could take this experience and then transpose it over the condition i'm having so well in the past it sounds like one of the blended door motors are going bad if i did not have that experience and that's what this show is about that's what's all about sharing and exchange of knowledge the thing is that a transfer of knowledge if i didn't have that experience i would be thinking this is a vacuum problem unless i was once i got to the point where i figured out that it wasn't a vacuum so the thing basically is that you know just like if you go to a doctor you have a relationship with a doctor which hardly anybody has anymore today a relationship with a veterinarian they know that animal. They know you. And you say, no, nah, you're always susceptible to that, right? You're always whatever, right? You walk in cold to a doctor. He don't know you from a hole in a wall unless you're dropping dead or have some catastrophic failure or health issue. He's probably not going to know what's wrong with you. So the thing, what I'm trying to say is that unless you went to a mechanic that had this experience before, he would not know what to do with this for the simple reason being is that I was blessed because it was my car. I drive it every day, and I and I was able to pay attention to what it's doing, and then use those clues for what it's doing and say, "Well, Jesus can't work the way I think it works because how would it respond? Would it respond this way?" So that is very hard when you're coming in cold to a piece of equipment, to a farm animal, to your own body. Right, so you 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 the doctor doesn't know you just coming in off the street, all right? Then and, and and oftentimes they'll make a di- not that they're incompetent. They'll make a diagnosis based upon the little data that they have and the little information they could transpose into something. So that's very 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 important. So those are your take home messages there. That now to bring closure to this, what is wrong with my Fiesta? And let me put it this way. To the average person, there's nothing wrong with it because the heater works fine. If wherever I want it to blow, it blows currently. There's not; it's doing nothing wrong. But every once in a while, I hear this this creaking sound, like the door being tried to move. And I said, to, and I would say to myself, "Geez, I've been riding for 45 minutes in the car. I haven't touched anything on the heater controls. Why is it deciding to move now?" 
Was it so? Is it stuck and it can't go to full resolution? And that's I honestly don't know because you can't see anything. So the thing is that they may have the ability to say to you, well, well, I'm saying the ability to say to you that somebody may say, well, it's the blend air door, it's this, that, or what about, or what have you, but you really don't know until you get a lot of data. And as we say in engineering application specific, it appears from what I could glean that these servo motors, actuators, whatever they call them, are not horrific to install but i think there's certainly something else that you would rather do one day than to lay underneath that fiesta dashboard on an angle unless some people take the seat out so they could get in there so like i said it's not i mean if it was something that was so easy like putting air in a tire so let me put air in a tire and see what the story is all right so uh so the fact of the matter is that it's it's not it's not a terrible job from what i could glean to do it but it's a very awkward contorted job looking up underneath the dash but potential to drop a screw you have to time these motors properly and it's not just a ford deal it's it's everything if you look at it chevrolet toyota nissan honda they all have they're all using using these same type of motors this same type of system and they all for the most part are in an awkward place to service it so what is happening with my 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 blend there my my mode selector that's what i feel is because it seems more on the right hand side um i don't know whether i my original analysis of it is correct where the door is creaking and it's stubborn to go full full resolution so it goes 90 let's say 95 percent and then it fights itself for the next five percent uh is it the motor starting to make noise inside who knows i do not know at this particular point but what i do know is that it's not vacuum operated my diagnosis was correct but it was incorrect because i thought it operated like my father just say the operation is success the patient is dead yes i was in the right church wrong pew but a thousand percent wrong for what this condition is and then if you brought it to someone who didn't who didn't know they would do they would be in worse shape diagnostic than i am because because i don't i would say well where the heck is the vacuum canister for this right and the thing is that so what is it with it right now god willing it stays working as it is during the winter because uh, that's not something you would want to try to get under, underneath that dashboard with a heavy sweatshirt on or jacket on or what have you all right so hopefully god willing it stays and hopefully god willing it cures itself which would be even better right so maybe the good lord will bless me and it'll cure itself and whatever was creaking will stop creaking and it'll go on its merry way so a lot of take-home messages here and uh don't jump to conclusions so many people are so used to job oh, i work i work on as well that's what's wrong with it. and maybe there's a very good possibility that is what's wrong with it but lots of times that is not what's wrong with it right so the thing is that you have to really and that what it really basically is rooted on is a transfer of knowledge so uh which is like i said what i do my best to try to do and that's why i told you about bruce's generator that's why i told you about everything and and i and it, you may have said this show stunk tonight well 
maybe a dead state today, uh, not because of Bruce's gender, because, but I felt it was very important for me to establish to you as diagnosticians, people working with equipment, and taking the same message forward, working with your own body, working with animals, working with agronomy, right, is that we tend to look at things today that we pinpoint the like, like, oh, that's it. And sometimes it is it, but lots of times it's things collaterally around that that's causing it. And just because you got in agriculture, say a positive response, uh, I was getting a positive response with me having shutting it off at high vacuum, which had absolutely nothing to do with anything. And I think the idea that I was cycling it more than I normally did was loosening it up or what have you. Uh, and so we will go from there, and I will let you know. But uh, but please, I'm repeating it. Uh, if you're working with equipment. If you work in, unless you're doing, if you're diagnosing something and in any way, shape, or form, is that you really need to, to know how it works. You really need to pay attention to how it works. You need to pay attention to what's different on it than you're used to hearing or running or whatever it's doing in the past. And those are, those are key, key points for you to solve this mystery. And if you poo-poo those points and don't pay attention to them and don't go back and revisit them and say, well, why do I hear like a motor going underneath the dashboard? I didn't, what the heck is, I didn't think it's a motor, it should be on vacuum. So the thing is, if you don't revisit that, then you will never ever fix that problem and you'll probably spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of frustration and anything underneath the dashboard it may not be the expensive for the parts, but it's certainly you could think of a better way to spend an afternoon than laying upside down with your neck in a kink underneath a dashboard, changing something that does not need to be changed. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in, and I want to once again wish you a blessed, blessed Christmas ahead of time, and may the Lord bless and keep you and my beloved America. Have a great day, and I'll catch you next week.